the operational requirements, taking into account of our job natures and equipment we are carrying. You're listening to the news on RTHK. An international station for an international city. This is Radio 3. Morning, the time's 8.03 and welcome to the start of a holiday-shortened week here in Hong Kong. This is Monday's Money Talk on Radio 3 and I'm Peter Lewis with the day's business and finance headlines. President Xi Jinping will attend celebrations Friday to mark the 25th anniversary of Chinese rule and he'll also attend the swearing-in ceremony of Hong Kong Chief Executive John Lee. Ahead of the visit... It was reported that China's liaison office has asked foreign business chambers in Hong Kong for their opinions on how to revive the city's economy in a series of listening sessions. The overwhelming message from chamber heads was to end quarantine requirements for travellers to the city altogether as soon as possible. Major US companies with health care plans covering abortion including Disney, J.P. Morgan, Amazon and Facebook owner Meta, have told staff they'll cover employee travel expenses for abortions as millions of U.S. women face restricted access. It follows a landmark U.S. Supreme Court ruling on Friday that overturned women's constitutional right to abortion. The ruling could increase companies' pay and benefit costs and create chaos for employers that typically operate in multiple states. Last week, global stocks notched their first positive week of the month after falling into a bear market the previous week. The FTSE All World Index jumped 2.6% Friday, taking its gains for the week to 4.7%, but it's still down almost 19.3% from last November's record high. On today's Money Talk, we're joined by Lashar from BBVA and Sam Favreau at Mandarin Capital. With a view from mainland China, it's Ben Cavender of the China Market Research Group. And don't forget to get in touch with your questions or comments. You do that by texting 6393 emailing moneytalk at rthk.hk. You can post on our Facebook page, Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3, or tweet us at Money Talk Radio 3. Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. On Wall Street, the S&P 500 climbed 6.4% for the week, including a 3.1% rally on Friday to 3,911. It's the second best weekly performance of the year. But the benchmark index is still down almost 19% its record high reached in early January. All 11 sectors of the S&P 500 ended Friday in positive territory and 96% of the companies in the index closed higher. The Dow stormed 823 points higher to 31,501, taking its weekly gain to 5.4% in its first weekly advance since May. The Nasdaq Composite snapped a three-week losing streak, rising 7.5%, its largest weekly gain since March. On Friday, it surged over 3% to 11,608 The Pan-European Stock 600 Index rose 2.4% last week and London's FTSE 100 was up 2.7% over the five days. Hong Kong shares rallied on Friday to cap a positive week for Chinese stocks with tech firms leading the way. The Hang Seng Index advanced 445 points or 2.1% to 21,719. 
That's the highest level since the 10th of June. For the week, the benchmark index climbed 3.1%. And the Hang Seng has rebounded now almost 18% since hitting a 2022 low in middle of March. The Hang Seng Tech Index rose 4.1% on Friday and by the same amount for the week. On the mainland, the Shanghai Composite gains 0.9% to 3,350. For the week, it was up 1%, and the index has rallied 16% since hitting a 2022 low on the 26th of April. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil was flat last week. It starts today about 1% lower at $112.02 a barrel. Gold is up at $1,834 an ounce. Industrial metals are on track for their worst quarter since the 2008 financial crisis. Copper fell 7% last week to a 16-month low. Tin tumbled 21% last week. And U.S. government bond yields have declined markedly over the past couple of weeks as fears of a recession come to the fore. The yield on the benchmark 10-year U.S. Treasury note stood at 3.14% on Friday, up five basis points on the day, but down nearly 34 basis points from an 11-year high hit on June the 14th. The U.S. dollar index was half a percent weaker over the last five trading days. The euro this morning trading at $1.05. The bucks at 135.9 Japanese yen. Sterling is trading at $1.23 and 9 Hong Kong dollars and 65 cents. The Chinese yuan is at 6.68 and a half in offshore markets. And Bitcoin has rebounded to 21,100. And we're getting off to a good start around Asia-Pacific markets this morning. The ASX 200 in Australia is up just over 1%. Similar story for the Nikkei 225 in Japan. The Cosby in South Korea up about three quarters of a percent. And futures markets pointing to a gain of 150 points for the Hang Seng at the Open this morning. Let's welcome our guests. We have with us Lashar, he's the Chief Economist at BBVA. Morning, Shark. Morning, Peter. And also with us, Sam Favre, Chief Executive Officer at Mandarin Capital. Morning to you, Sam. Morning, Peter. So local media um, has reported that China's liaison office ahead of President Xi Jinping's meeting uh, or attendance at the uh, handover ceremony on Friday has asked foreign business chambers in Hong Kong for their opinions on how to revive the financial centre's economy in a series of listening sessions. According to the report, the Liaison Office sends invites to Chamber of Commerce heads in early June, and the invites included five questions, including asking for suggestions on how the Hong Kong government could improve the local business environment and asking about firms' operations in mainland China. So, Sam and Shark, here's your chance. If you was the head of the Chamber of Commerce, one of the head of Chambers of Commerce offices, how would you reply? I think uh, they already provide my answer. So I, I remember we discussed these things uh, at this program several times. The only way to revive Chinese, uh, the Hong Kong's economy is to open the border to the rest of the world when China still remains closed. 
right? You have no other choice because Hong Kong is a small city. So it's not like China. They can do some uh, inner circulation. But in, for Hong Kong, if we keep isolated from the rest of the world, I don't think our business community can, can thrive on this one, right? So I think that's the only answer. Yeah. And um, would you suggest doing that even if then it was at the expense of getting our border with the mainland open quicker? If it delayed that, we should still do that? Uh, I think that that's mainly due to the Chinese uh, policy, right? If they uh, choose to do that one, we don't have other choice. We have to mm. open the border with the rest of the world. And then we try to find ways to open the border to, to China. Yeah, Sam? Well, not, not really much more to add because... Uh, we're an international city, and as long as we have different constraints compared to the rest of the world, if any business has the choice between a free or an environment with constraints, it's pretty clear mm. the business will go somewhere else. And uh, we're seeing that uh, in the region. I mean, companies going to Southeast Asia for manufacturing, moving to Singapore for finance. So it's pretty clear we don't really have the choice. Now, the only, uh, the only measures we can take. So I'll read the one with the rest of the world. The Chinese border is not our own decision. So I completely agree with Shark on this one. We should uh, move towards opening the border and uh, hopefully with the new administration in place, some uh, measures will be taken swiftly. And at least we have some visibility because I think the main problem is not only the borders being closed, but the lack of visibility and, you know, the arbitrary sometimes of the measures which have been taken, leaving businessmen, you know, moving from one week quarantine suddenly three weeks without notices plus the hassle of the quarantines the hotels and everything else i think it's really uh it's it's being a it's real 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 problem for the business and for the population of hong kong so is that is the main problem that's being done because of this companies leaving and people leaving is that the main issue I think it's a, it's yes, it's a main issue, and it's also a drag for the uh, domestic economy because we are an open city. We live out tourists, we live out of services, so we need the people to come, and we need the people to invest, and mm. we need to open the borders for that. Do you think, um, do you think, Shark, those people that will come back once the borders do reopen, um, will these people, will these companies come back? Uh, I don't think they will come back very soon, but uh, we have no choice. We have to open the border first, and then when all this business community, the business sentiment improve, maybe new one can come, maybe some people, they will come back. So uh, we don't have a choice. Uh, about this one, I recently noticed that uh, uh, in street, you cannot see a lot of the people as before. That means uh, although... The Hong Kong government, they have uh, do some stimulus to distribute these uh, consumption coupons uh, to boost the economy. But now it seems that this kind of the impact have already died down. So we need, must find the next one to, mm. to boost our economy. Well, we do have other issues as well, though, don't we? There's been a lot of focus on the borders reopening. But we have some long-standing um, social issues that have got to be dealt with, and Beijing is saying it expects them to be dealt with. Things like housing, for example, the supply of land and housing, uh, the city's income gap. Um, th these are big challenges as well, aren't they, for our economy? I, I think definitely we have a lot of the challenges, but the problem is that, that all are long-term things, right? In the long run, we're all dead. So <laughs> we must uh, find a way to, to sustain these short-term things. We need to open the border with uh, the rest of the world. And then we can have the chance to discuss how we fix these uh, long-time, uh, long-run issues. Okay, now another thing happening in Hong Kong. Our benchmark borrowing costs have quadrupled over the past month. 
as the Hong Kong Monetary Authority drains liquidity from the banking system to defend the bottom end of the Hong Kong dollar's peg to the US dollar. On Friday, one-month HIBOR, which is the key rate for mortgages, rose to 0.88% from 0.18% a month ago. That's the biggest increase since 2005. Three-month HIBOR climbed to 1.68% from 0.9% a month ago. That's the biggest monthly rise since 2008. What is the impact of this going to be on, on us here, on our economy, on the housing market? I think it's going to be pretty significant, especially it's only the beginning. And given that Hong Kong doesn't control his uh, monetary policy and the interest rate, that's probably one of the risks, which is in medium term, the biggest one. Uh, Because in the US, we're far from having priced the whole cycle in. And we could easily see rates going back to two and a half, three and a half percent. So at some point, the question will be again on the table, what we want to defend, whether we don't want to defend the peg or we want to... um, we want to have a more flex and make for more flexible currency and adjust the interest rate. But as long as we are on a fixed spec system, the uh, interest rate hike is, you know, without question, going to follow the US and that will have a significant impact. What sort of more flexible currency are you thinking of? What could we have instead? Well, we can enlarge the band, but, uh, you know, I don't think they're going to change the uh, to change the system. And because it has worked for such a long time, it's also a credibility from uh, from the government point of view. So. And it's part of the stability of Hong Kong as well to provide this fixed currency exchange. So I would tend to think that, except if there is a huge, huge pain on the market, we will maintain this system for the very, very, uh, for the medium term. But there are options on the table. You can always change your pay. I fully agree with Sam on this one because uh, that one, the, the linked exchange rate is in this basic low. I don't think the Hong Kong's government or even the Chinese central government, they they want to change that one in the short time, unless we have a big financial crisis, right? Mm. Uh, but uh, definitely, I agree with Sam on the point that uh, this one, this link exchange rate, uh, as well as the U.S. interest rate hack, they will eventually affect Hong Kong, including this uh, housing market. But of course, housing market, they are subject to many factors. Uh, that's uh, the interest rate or the financing cost is just one of them. Uh, but so far, I think this... Uh, this magnitude of the uh, interest rate adjustment is still okay. Uh, I don't expect they will have very immediate uh, negative impact on uh, Hong Kong's uh, housing market, uh, especially if we really open our border to the rest of the world. Maybe we, we will have potential to, to welcome still new buyers of mm. Hong Kong's properties. So it's a very complicated uh, uh, question, uh, but definitely, yeah, the, the, uh, if you look at the interest rate adjustment, that's uh, now good news for uh, housing market here. I would have a slightly different sort of reading on the market and the interest rate, because I think the effect of the interest rate is partially linked also to consumer confidence. And we're also seeing on the high-end market of, uh, of the housing, people starting to say, uh, the, the market's starting to slide because of the people moving out. So on the real estate market, you have clearly an increased supply at the high end, increased rates, and a deteriorating sentiment. So the increase of this interest rate could actually demultiply because of this sentiment, sentiment effect. So let's see how it, it moves. But uh, the, I mean, sentiment is a big thing in, this, uh, in these markets as well. Given that U.S. interest rates are likely to rise a lot further this year, um, and therefore HIBOR is quite likely to go up a lot more as well, what, what can we do to mitigate the impact of this on the economy? 
I don't think we can do anything on this interest rate side, but uh, as we discussed, uh, first we need to open the border to the rest of the world so that we can have new money inflow, we can have uh, mm. uh, this new business uh, flow in. Uh, secondly, I think that definitely uh, the Hong Kong government today can think about how to boost the local economy. They can do a lot of things, uh, including extend this uh, consumer coupon program. And uh, yeah, they can uh, devote more resources in this infrastructure investment to keep your eco- local economy at a decent rate. Yeah. Okay, lots, lots of recession talk at the moment, isn't there, around the world now. People seem to be getting more and more concerned that these interest rate rises um, are likely to tip us into recession, except maybe in China. President Xi Jinping uh, said last week that uh, he's going to defend uh, this 5.5% growth target um, and that you know, he was going to go all out to achieve it. Now, that's maybe a bit of a surprise because I'm hearing many analysts saying that that target's out of reach. Can it still be achieved, do you think? I think it's, if we're looking purely from a consumer demand side, it's going to be very, very challenging. So you would have to expect some kind of step measures to come out and to fill in the gap. So... I think we will have to see some kind of announcements within the next six months to make sure that uh, these uh, these initiatives are, t- are taken to um, you know to stimulate the economy because we still have stop and goes uh, everywhere everywhere in China. So it's very difficult to plan for five and a half percent growth, mm-hmm. uh, knowing where we're starting from. Now, for the overall recession uh, landscape, I think people have been too used of so much liquidity. Uh, but the market, the reality, the economy is still very, very strong in the U.S. and the market is still very tight. So I would be very surprised if we see the, uh, the Fed pausing at this stage because the real problem on the market is money supply at the moment. It's not recession. Mm. Yeah, I think on this one, uh, President Xi Jinping, maybe he just mentioned this 5.5 official growth target. That he just wants to mobilize this local government people to do things because now we are just in the middle of the year if you just uh, say okay this year we have this uh, uh, pandemic attack then you can let it go then I'm afraid that the economy will be very, very bad. Okay, mm. that's why he wants to mobilize people to please uh, still take these uh, target theories, try your best to achieve that one. But uh, whether they can achieve that one, personally, I think the chance is very, very low. So for the moment, our forecast for this year is only uh, 4.5% instead of 5.5%. The problem is the means. How can they achieve the local governments? Because the demand is very depressed, and that's going to be very, very long term to, re- to re- reinitiate and the financial flexibility they have because of the amount of debt they have is becoming more and more constrained. So, I mean, if it's purely down to the local governments, I think it's also a very, very dangerous plan because if you want to stimulate an economy which is depressed and you say, well, you need to achieve something and you invest in any kind of investment which becomes non-performing, it could be a very vicious cycle mm-hmm. in two, three years' time. But in fact, uh, I, even at the local government level, they can make some choice. For example, they can choose to devote their limited resource to infrastructure investment rather than do this universal PCR test every day, right? <laughs> so I think that at the local government, they do have some levers to make the balance. But of course, I, even they do their best, I don't think they can achieve this 5.5%. But, but the problem is infrastructure. You can build a road, then for the time you build a road, you, you make the economy grow up. At the same time, the road, if the road leads nowhere and no one uses the road, it's a non-performing asset with cost in the end. But that's the next year's issue. Yeah, <laughs> we can I agree. Say that's this. what I'm not saying. The, the flexibility is not right? that much. So. Yeah. So.
But it isn't the, the where they've got to really focus is on boosting uh, consumer confidence. Isn't that the number one challenge now? Because it seems that even though these lockdowns may be a, a easing, there doesn't seem to be any rebound in consumer sentiment at all. Yeah, that's a. I think that's a big challenge to China because uh, people expect uh, this kind of lockdown can come back every any time, right? And uh, at the same time, if you look at uh, the job market, people facing high unemployment rate, pe- people stop spending uh, on their consumer goods, they stop buying the, their uh, properties. Uh, so yeah, the confidence is the number one issue now in China. Mm. Um, and what, what about the markets? Quick thoughts on the on the markets. We saw um, globally a quite a big rebound um, last week. Is maybe the worst over now? Is about people starting to think that the selling is overdone, or is this a bear trap, a bull trap? It's a bear market rebound, which mm. there is a potential to go on for a bit more because the uh, shock of the interest rate hike is actually, you know, has been absorbed. Uh, I think people, as you mentioned, people are pricing the fact that there is a recession and the monetary policy might actually be not as tight as um, as expected. I personally don't think it's going to be the case because uh, growth and money supplies are actually linked, but not exactly the same thing. So I think we will revisit this risk of uh, monetary tightening fairly soon. Plus in Asia, you have the risk of, uh, and we're seeing the risk of uh, money outflow. Mm-hmm. Which could actually, if it's going too quick, uh, cause uh, some probably some a lot of strains on the balance sheet of some countries, and could have a, a contagious effect in the region. And I, I mean that was fly by DHK. I mean I think it was spot on. Okay, well, thank you both very much for your thoughts there. You heard there Sam Favre, who's Chief Executive Officer at Mandarin Capital, Lashar, who's Asia Chief Economist at BBVA. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio Three. Times 8.24. Let's go up to Shanghai and talk with Ben Cavender, Managing Director at the China Market Research Group. Morning to you, Ben. Good morning. Um, Let me get your thoughts, first of all, on President Xi Jinping saying last week that uh, uh, he wanted to try and achieve uh, China's growth target of 5.5%. Do you think it's achievable? I I think it's certainly a very aggressive statement, given the the state of the economy here. So I'm, I'm somewhat skeptical that it can truly be achieved absent a, a major shift in um, stimulus coming from the government. So I think it sounds nice as a soundbite. They'll, they'll probably really put the pressure on local governments to increase economic activity, but I, I still am skeptical that we can actually get there this year. Are, are you seeing any signs that the economy is now uh, stabilizing and maybe recovering after the lockdowns that we've seen the last couple of months? Uh, you know, I, I do think that, you know, that towards the end of this month, there has been a little bit of a rebound. People are, are starting to get out and, and spend cautiously a little bit more. You're seeing more and more businesses thinking about how they reopen or kind of stabilize now that the this, you know, fear of, of very serious lockdown is slowly moving to the back burner. But I think overall, Things are still awfully slow here. Consumer demand is still quite anemic. Uh, if you saw the you know, 618 uh, shopping data that came out, it really wasn't very mm-hmm. impressive from a growth standpoint. Um, small business certainly is still hurting a lot. So um, I think we're moving in the right direction, but awfully slowly. And, and is that because they're fearful that maybe the lockdowns will resume again? Or is it because they've had their, their incomes damaged and they just don't want to go out and do discretionary spending at the moment? Yeah, I think there's there's still definitely a fear that at any time lockdowns could 
could kind of snap back to the way they were uh, in uh, March, April, May. Um, so there's that fear. I think there's still fear as well of sort of spot lockdowns or getting stuck somewhere if they go traveling. Um, so that's one issue. And then I think also with consumers, uh, younger consumers certainly are still really sort of worried about their prospects in the job market right now. And, and there's a, there's you know, quite an issue with, with underemployment right now. So I think that's creating some issues. And then consumers who are homeowners have really seen their family balance sheets kind of take a hit with, with the property market slowdown. So I don't think anybody right now is particularly upbeat about about the economy, and that is definitely having an impact on their spending. Mm. The, the plan was to get life uh, in Shanghai back to normal by the end of this month. Well, that, that's this week. We're almost there. Is life back to normal now? Uh, I would say it's it's not back to normal yet. Uh, you know, things are open. We're doing our every other day testing. Uh, public transportation is open. But if you look at, say, the F&B industry, for example, virtually nowhere uh, is it possible to uh, dine in at restaurants. A lot of smaller shops and businesses are still closed. Um, malls have essentially been forced to 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 open, and, and shops and, and and malls have been forced to open. But but actual business activity overall is still quite low. So we're we're not normal, but the case numbers in Shanghai have stayed at you know lower zero in terms of what they're finding out in the the population at large. And so there's a, a, a sentiment going around that sort of starting in early July. There will be a true full opening, but I, I think it remains to be seen. And if there was a resurgence of cases, as we've seen, for example, in Macau in the last week, where they've now gone and mass tested everyone, I think they're on the third mass testing now and have locked down a lot of things. And we've seen a, a resurgence in Shenzhen as well. Is there a fear that this could happen in Shanghai and then you're back to where you started from? Uh, I, you know, I think there's a fear. I think that they've been they've been quite aggressive from a testing standpoint to try and prevent that from happening. So we've got our, our 72-hour green code, which effectively means we're testing every other day. And then I know certainly in my district, we've still been doing a full district test every weekend. So basically everybody in the city right now is, is being tested to a degree where they should be able to catch uh, an outbreak and sort of contain it to a pocket um, fairly quickly. At least that's the, the theory that they're working on. But it, it'll be interesting to see um, how they maintain this this testing regime because it's, it's getting a little bit old for a lot of people. Yeah, I was going to say, is there testing fatigue now? People are just getting fed up with being tested every week or every few days? I, I think people are getting fed up with it, and I'm seeing more and more instances of people getting stuck at the door to uh, an office building or a mall because they've they've lapsed out of their 72-hour test window and kind of getting into fights about it. So I think people sort of, sort of are starting to feel that it's ridiculous. The other thing we're seeing happening is when the tests are actually administered, um, previously they were quite diligent in making sure that they were you know, really getting into the, the, the back of somebody's mouth or nose to, to actually test for the virus. And now a lot of the, the tests really sort of seem to be cursory and one questions whether or not they'd actually be effective in, in catching traces of the virus. Okay, well, Ben, thanks very much for that update. That's Ben Cavender, who's Managing Director at the China Market Research Group. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take another look at how the markets are starting the uh, the new week. In Australia, the ASX 200, that's improving now, up one and a third percent. Uh, the Nikkei 225 in Japan is up about 0.9%. The Cosby in South Korea has rallied about two-thirds of a percent. And it looks like we're going to see a rally of about 150 points for the Hang Seng at the Open this morning.
Thank you very much for, for listening this morning. Do please uh, join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock for Money Talk, back at the normal time. Back chat's coming up after the news with Jim Gould and Mike Rouse. The weather forecast, mainly fine, apart from one or two showers. Very hot during the day. Maximum temperature is going to be about 34 degrees and the very hot weather warning is in force. Mainly fine and very hot tomorrow and then showers are going to increase gradually in the middle and latter parts this week. The temperature right now is 29 degrees and it's 80% relative humidity. Time's just gone 8.30. Here's Ben Che with the Half Hour News. Health officials reported 1,917 new COVID cases yesterday, including 118 which were imported. The Centre for Health Protection said a class at St. Stephen's College in Stanley had been suspended for a week after three students and a staff member living in the dormitory contracted the virus. Here's the centre's Dr. Chuan Shukwan. We haven't discovered any connections with the previous infections among the students of St. Stephen's College. Of course, there are many cases in the community, and it's possible two sources of infection made their way into the campus. We need to investigate further to see whether the cases are connected. National Security Police say they've detained two men for allegedly publishing seditious messages. They say they made the arrest in Changshawan and Chaiwan, and that officers seized electronic communication devices, military knives, and an imitation firearm. Forensic experts and toxicologists in South Africa have been sent to the city of East London to try to establish how 22 young people died at a nightclub there. The BBC's Shingai Nyoka has more details. Police remain at the scene of the incident, in which the cause of these deaths remains far from clear. Officers responded to distress calls at Enyobeni Tavern in the early hours of this morning. Most of the victims were teenagers. South Africa's President Cyril Ramaphosa expressed his condolences to the families and called for a thorough investigation. The police have ruled out a stampede as the cause. There are suggestions that the revelers could have inhaled or ingested a toxic substance. NASA has made its first launch from a commercial site outside the United States. The rocket took off from the Arnhem Space Center in northern Australia and carried an observation platform 350 kilometers into the sky to study X-rays from the two Alpha Centauri solar systems. Five, four, three, two, one, go! NASA said the Southern Hemisphere launch site allowed it to see targets it couldn't from the United States. The Australian Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, called the project the start of a new era for his country's space industry. And that's the news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jim Gould and your co-host today is Mike Rouse. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Jim. And we also have in the studio with us Sir Mark Michelson, Chairman of the Asia CEO Forum at IMA Asia. Good morning to you, Mark. Good morning, Jim. And we'll also be uh, joined on the line uh, shortly by George Cawthorley, Vice Chairman of the Hong Kong International Chamber of Commerce, because uh, this morning our topic is 
uh, prospects for a fuller reopening of the border, uh, both with the mainland and the rest of the world, and possible changes to quarantine rules. The incoming chief executive, John Lee, has said he's working on plans to that effect, and he aims to review the current quarantine measures, including suggestions of uh, allowing returning residents to isolate at home or shortening the days required to be spent in designated hotels. The incoming health minister, Lo Chung Mao, has raised the possibility of reducing the quarantine period to five days or less with a closed-loop journey, which would entail travellers being able to go only to places on a scheduled itinerary. After 9.15, we'll look at the latest COVID situation in Macau. You can let us know what you think. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3, email us at backchat at rthk.hk, or give us a call on 233-88-266. OK, uh, Mark, uh, good morning once again. So uh, how are you feeling today? Are you feeling encouraged at all by developments in the past few days and what people have been saying, like uh, John Lee 